a caretaker in a farm had two large pots which he used to carry to from his uh, master's house to the river to pick up water every day and bring it back to the master's home. Now one of the pots had a crack in it while the other did not have a crack in it. The full pots which didn't have a crack always delivered a full pot of water to the master's house while the other pots always delivered a half pot of water. The full pot, the unblemished pot, was very proud of its accomplishment. It was doing what the master wanted it to do. It went to the water, it was filled with water, it came back to the home full of water. And there was pride in that pot. While the other pot, which had a crack in it, and it knew that it was leaking water, was always sad. And one day, the sad, cracked pot went to the caretaker and said, I'm sorry that I'm an embarrassment to you. I'm sorry that I'm letting you down. So the caretaker turns to the pot and says, What do you mean you're letting me down? In what way are you an, embar an embarrassment to me? So the pot says, You expect a full pot of water to come back to the master's house. But by the time you return, I'm half empty. The master said, yes, I know that. I know that. But that doesn't matter. Just watch the path that we follow and tell me something about it. So that day the pot looked around and said that, well, on one side of the path there is beautiful flowers uh, and that's just about it. So the, uh, the caretaker told the pot, now, if you recognize the flowers are on the side where I hold you every day when I return from the river to the master's house. I know that you have a flaw. I know that you have a crack. I know that you're not perfect. I know that you're not complete. But I use that to water that side. I planted seeds on that side. And you are responsible for those beautiful flowers that we pick up every day and keep on the master's table. The pot felt good. And so my question to you will simply be this. How many of you think today you are a perfect human being? If you think you are a perfect human being, no flaws, can I see your hand please? We have an imperfect church. Nobody's perfect in this church. Okay, that's good. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank and praise you for this time, Lord. And Father God, even as you teach us, even as you minister unto us, Lord Father, Father God, I pray, Lord, that we will be prepared to listen. And even as we listen, we will be prepared to do what you want us to do, Lord Father. Father God, I pray that... You talk to every one of us, Lord. And you teach us something today, Lord. We just commit ourselves into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right, so by your own acknowledgement, all of you have agreed that you have at least one fault. Am I right? At least one. There may be more. The next thing to do 
is take a paper and a pen or your smartphone or your iPad or ePad or XPad or Galaxy Tab, whatever you have, and please write down two of your most prominent faults. Now you see, it's a dictum in medicine that when we have patients who come to us, we ask a lot of questions. I mean, all teachers also ask a lot of questions, and I happen to be both. So I ask double the number of questions. Okay. We ask questions. And when we ask questions, we start writing down the problems. We say, this is the problem. If the patient says headache, we write headache. Okay, we don't say that the patient is well in the rest of the body. We say the patient has got headache. That's the problem. Okay, so we write problem. Because when you write the problem, you write the list of problems, then you look at it, you can look for solutions. And the idea is to look for solutions to solve the problem. So when you write down your fault and you look at it, you will be able to identify a solution to it. If you don't write down your, or, you know, whatever you call it, uh, finger in your, your uh, uh, fault, what happens is that you don't recognize that you have a fault. You may think that you have a fault. You need to put it down. So please put down one, two faults. I'm not going to ask you for them. I'm not going to ask any one of you to stand up and tell me what is your fault. Okay. That's the thing that you're going to sort out for yourself. All right. Now that you have identified your faults, question number two is, what are you going to do about them? What are you going to do about them? What am I going to do about my faults? What are you going to do about your faults? That's the second question. So we're going to see how we can deal with some of these issues. So before we decide how we are going to deal with these faults, I want us to spend some time looking at how God deals with our faults. Will you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1? Verses 26 to 29. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 29. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. See, so God's dealing with false is very simple. He says, I want them all. I want you all, with your faults, the more faults you have, great, come, come, come over to me. I'm going to use you. He doesn't say, 
go and make yourself perfect and then come and then we'll solve the problem. God says, I want you with your faults. Have you got your faults? Good, come along. Let's, let's go on from there. Now, if God was to choose only the best and the wisest and the perfect to do all his commands, God would have to start and end with Jesus Christ. There would be nobody else who would be able to do anything for God if God was to pick and choose and say, I want only the wise, I want only the noble, I want only those without any fault, and they are going to be my people who are going to be doing things in this world of mine. I want only those kinds of people. If God was going to say that, forget it. The only person he would have to do everything that he wants to do is Jesus Christ. But God does not think like that. See, God had other plans. And God has other plans. And it is his plan, and it is his desire to use you and me for the tasks that need to be done in this kingdom. We might have faults. We might be cracked pots. It doesn't matter. God says, that's the way I want you, because that's the kind of person I can use. You may look at the faults, but I look at the use. And I'm going to use you. Okay, and that's what God is telling us today. Now the question, at this point that we need to think about is simply this. Are we ready to overcome our imperfection and become useful in the hands of God? Do we keep looking at our faults and say, I have a fault. I have a blemish. I can't do it. Somebody else doesn't have this fault, let him do it. Somebody else doesn't have that fault, let him do it. No, that's not the way God is asking us. The question is, are you and am I willing to overlook these faults that we have? Can we just say, we are ready to overcome our imperfections and become useful in the hands of God. And therefore the title of today's message is simply, Imperfect but Useful. Imperfect but Useful. When we study the Bible, we see that God has used certain principles while asking His people to serve in His vineyard. And I'm just going to highlight these principles. Number one, God never consults your past to decide your future. God never consults your past to decide your future. Turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verse 10. Exodus 3 verse 10 and this is God talking to Moses come now therefore and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people the children of Israel out of Egypt the cry of the Israelites had come to the Lord they had been suffering at the hands of the Egyptians for many years the cry came to the Lord who did he turn to he turned to the man who had been driven out of that country. Moses was a flawed man. At that point of time, actually Moses was a fugitive. He had killed an Egyptian some time back. And he had escaped by the skin of his teeth from Egypt. Pharaoh had chased him, but he managed to escape. 
and he was out here in the wilderness. He had his family. He couldn't go back to Egypt because he was a fugitive. Even the Israelites did not want him because when he killed the Egyptian and the next day he went back to the Israelites, they said, do you think that you're going to be dealing with us like you did with that guy yesterday? So they did not want him. The Egyptians did not want him. God wanted him. God said, you're a fugitive, you're a murderer, you're the person I want. God knew Moses' past history, but he did not let that decide the future. God in his wisdom had chosen Moses to be the greatest leader to lead people from bondage to freedom. Is your past constantly troubling you that you are unable to experience the freedom that Christ has won for you? Remember, God never consults your past to decide your future. All he needs to know is simply this. Are you willing to serve him when he calls you? Principle number two. God never lets your agenda destroy his plans. God never lets your agenda destroy his plans. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 17, verses 17 to 19. Genesis chapter 17, verses 17 to 19. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Then God said, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his descendants after him. You see, God, a few years back, had given Abraham a blueprint of the future. But Abraham, like many of us, was in a hurry. So don't think that we are the only instant generation. Abraham was also part of that instant generation. Abraham couldn't wait. And the result was Ishmael. Now, Ishmael was Abraham's son. That's a fact. And Abraham wanted to use him as his descendant. But God had different plans. So, Abraham's agenda was to use Ishmael because he was his son. But God said, no, that's not my plan. Now, God's plans did not include Ishmael. God's plan was were to be activated only through Isaac. And that is exactly what God did. Has God given you a plan? Has God given you a plan? Are you waiting for God to accomplish his plans through you? Or are you in a hurry to do what you think is right? God will never let your agenda destroy his plans. His plans are the perfect plans. Your agenda, put it aside. God will never let your agenda destroy his plans. Principle number three. God never lets your doubts influence your destiny. God never lets your doubts 
influence your destiny. Turn with me to the next chapter, Genesis chapter 18, verses 10 to 14. Genesis 18, 10 to 14. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now it's written within brackets in the New King James Version. Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him. That means Sarah was hiding and listening. Okay? Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. Now Sarah did not realize at that point of time that she was meant to be a woman of destiny. She was to be the mother of the child of promise. The tribe of Israel was to come from her. She had a destiny to accomplish, to fulfill, and God was going to do that. But she doubted. She doubted God. Now where do you and I stand today? Are we allowing our doubts to delay our destiny? God might have told you something. God might have told me something. It looks impossible. Maybe for the last 10 years you've been in debt and your debt, is, the debt burden is increasing. But God told you yesterday, I shall make you prosperous. Do you doubt that? If you doubt it, you're delaying your prosperity. You're delaying your destiny. Because when God says something, He will do it. He will do it. He said it to Sarah. He said it to Abraham. You will have a child. Age did not matter to God. Sarah doubted. Today, do you doubt? God has promised so many things. Are you waiting for your destiny to be fulfilled? In God's hand, you and I have a great destiny. You and I are called to be special people. Do not doubt. Remember, in God's wisdom, He never lets your doubts affect your destiny. Principle number four. God never lets your prejudices affect His purposes. God never lets your prejudice affect his purpose. Turn with me to the book of Jonah. Chapter 3. Verses, chapter 3, verse 10. And we'll go on to chapter 4, verse 2. Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. Extending on to chapter 4, up to verse 2. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. 
and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. See, Jonah knew God. Jonah knew God very well. Jonah knew exactly what God could do. Jonah had no doubts as to what God could do. And when Jonah, when God called Jonah to preach repentance to the Ninevites, Jonah knew that God's mercy was likely to follow. And Jonah did not like that. You see, the Ninevites were enemies to the Israelites and the people of Judah. Now, if God was to bring judgment upon the Ninevites, and every one of those Ninevites was to be destroyed, the Israelites would have been happy. I don't know how it is in Nigeria, but I know that in some parts of the world you look at some other country and you say, I wish that country would be destroyed. I'm not going to name countries. You look at your neighboring country and say, that country is causing all the problems in my country. I wish that earthquake was not 7.2 magnitude, but 12.2. I wish the tsunami would run over that country and that country would be history. That's the same thing that Jonah was saying. He said, God, the Ninevites are bad. Kill them. They're sinning against you. So God said, listen, go and tell them that if they don't change their ways, they are going to be destroyed. So what did Jonah do? He said, good. It's only if they are told they might change their ways. Better not tell them. Go the opposite direction. Clever guy, isn't he, Jonah? Very clever guy. Okay. That was Jonah's prejudice. He was prejudicial against a community. But that was not going to stop God. God never lets your prejudice affect His purpose. His purpose is that every child of His has to be saved. Every man, woman and child who was created by God belongs to God. And God does not want to lose any one of them to the devil. It doesn't matter whether they are called Ninevites, whether they are called Israelites, whether they are called Nigerians, whether they are called Indians, whether they are called Pakistanis, Sri Lankans or anybody else. Those are names that we have given. For God, they are all his children. All of us are his children. So Jonah had his prejudices, but God had other plans and purposes. Now, today, are you letting your prejudices try to prevent God from doing what he wants to do? Are you saying, no, I can't do that. that? That thing is not what I would do. Okay, I don't think that's the right thing to do. I don't think those people 
are the people I need to minister to. Let them go where they want to go. If they want to go there, I'll help them along. But I'm not going to pull them back. Is that our feeling? Is that our prejudice? Well, let me tell you a very simple fact. Jonah failed. You and I will fail. Our prejudices are not going to stop God. God never fails. God will never let your prejudices affect your purpose. Principle number five. God never lets your circumstances get the better of you. God never lets your circumstances get the better of you. Turn with me to Ruth chapter 1, verses 15 to 18. Ruth 1, 15 to 18. And she said, that's Naomi, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also. If anything but death parts you and me. See, the natural thing for Ruth to have done was to have gone back to her father's house. Just as Orpah had done. She could have bemoaned her circumstances and blamed God and blamed Satan and blamed everyone for her state. But she didn't do that. She was able to see beyond her circumstances and know that there was something better on the other side of it. She just had to go through it. And she would get to something better. She knew that if she had just, if she just obeyed this God who she now knew, who she was now professing to worship, if she just obeyed this God, her future would be better. Her, circum- her current circumstance was not going to defeat her. Where is your faith today? Are your circumstances making you turn away from God and go back to your old lifestyle? Learn from Ruth. Just show a little patience and perseverance. Something better awaits you. God would never let your circumstance get the better of you. Your circumstance stays where it is. You go through your circumstance and come to the other side. So don't let your circumstances defeat you. God never lets circumstances get the better of somebody. Okay, don't let your circumstances get the better of you. Principle number six. God never puts you in a place where he can't hear you. God never puts you in a place where he can't hear you. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. Daniel chapter 3, 16 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this manner. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, 
that we do not serve your gods, we will not worship the gold image which you have set up. In verse 24 to 25, King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and spoke and saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in, into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. God never puts you in a place where He can't hear you. You will never be in a situation where when you cry out to the Lord, you don't even have to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego never screamed. They never raised their voice. They just said, think, it doesn't matter. Without God, they just save us, that's fine. We don't even have to worry about it. It's not that perfect. Put into the fire. And then Nebuchadnezzar says, I see four men loose in the fire, walking in the fire. Loose. Age 
God has answered, he was going to make her the most blessed among women. There was greatness awaiting her. She was young. She was very young. But God never said have to be an old man like me before we start doing anything. Young people, get moving. If somebody tells you that you are too young, tell them that they are too old. Story over. Joseph was not an old man when he became number two. Mary was not a old lady. She was young. Joseph was young. God never let your age If God has called you, be willing to do what God wants you to do. That's all that necessary. God never let your denial hinder your death. The reference is Acts chapter 2, verses 14 and verse 13. But Peter, standing up in the, with the leaven, raised his voice and said, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. And then it goes on. Then Peter said to them in verse 38, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This was the man who a couple of days earlier had denied Jesus Christ thrice. He did not want to be recognized as somebody who even knew Jesus. He wants to have nothing to do with Jesus. He denied Jesus. But here he is, a couple of days later, standing boldly making the first evangelical Peter was able to move with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. But two days earlier he was he was basically denied Christ. Today I don't know, he may be denied. Yesterday you might have denied God was wanting you to be that voice in the middle. God may be saying, I want you. It doesn't matter what you are what you were yesterday. I want you. God may be calling you. Don't let your denial hinder your ministry because God never let your denial hinder your ministry. All you need to be doing is saying, Yes, Lord, I'm ready for you right now. Last principle. God never lets your past affect your future. And similar to the first principle, God never lets your past affect your future. And the example I'm taking here is Acts 26, verse 9. Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus Christ. This is Paul talking. Indeed, I myself thought 
I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. In verse 12 and 13. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus, with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. Verse 19 and verse 20. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. Was there ever a man who was so much against Christ and yet turned out to be one of the greatest ambassadors for Christ? Today, you could do the same. All your sins and trespasses of yesterday can be wiped out by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you could turn out to be the greatest ambassador for Christ in this country. What are you waiting for? Are you willing for that? Are you willing for that? Remember, God never let your past take the future. Let me ask you a final set of questions and then we'll move on. That imperfection or fault that you wrote down, is it holding you in bondage? Every person who talks at the Bible, and there are many more examples, had one imperfection or the other. Moses was a murderer due to his conception. Abraham was a man with a different agenda. Sarah was a doubter. Jonah was a man with prejudice. Ruth found herself with tough circumstances. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to go through fire. Mary was an immature teenage girl. Peter was a coward. And Paul was a persecutor. What about you? What about you? What is that fault that we think is my preeminent character and that over to God? God will turn that round. He will turn you round. And He will make that enough. He will make you enough. Your worthiness does not qualify. Your ability do not compel God to use. Your wealth is immaterial to God. Your wisdom is foolishness in God's presence. But your willingness to serve in God's kingdom is what God wants. Your willingness to surrender to, into God's hands is what can make you ambassador. Same Jesus used to say. 
remember one thing. Obedience is the only thing God ever requires of you. Think about it. Your best days are ahead of you, not behind. Are you prepared to say today, Father God, mold me, use me, so that I can set my Take me, it's my fault. Use me as I In any part, if you think I will see. Let me not be cast away. I want to be your hand. I want to be your hand. Just tell the Lord. Spirit of the living God, all of us. Close your eyes. Remember the word, what you heard. Remember what are the imperfections in you. And as the Lord, He will help you more to use you for me. Pray Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
right before him here he is in the midst of you he is there ready to cleanse you ready to purify you ready to make you as a worthy child make you perfect to be used in his kingdom it is only your willingness if you are ready cry unto him he will hear to each and every one of you hallelujah speak speak to him speak to him speak in the spirit hallelujah if you feel that the neighbor will hear you speak to the lord because you know what is your perfection you know that you accept first of all admit your mistake admit your fault he is there he is the god of love he is the god of mercy he is the full of compassion he is the god to forgive you he is the god to release you he is the god to release you from all kinds of bondage whatever it is the bondage should not overcome you it is you who is god is already has overcome each and every on our behalf on the cross he is here today we are going to remember Christ on the cross Jesus Christ was hanged on the cross 2000 years ago because on behalf of you and me he is you and me god wants us to be perfected ushagar sharabara kabari shandari gaba uttoru kabari shandari tregabari shaktaregabar Hallelujah hallelujah cry unto the lord cry unto the lord cry unto the lord god is there to forgive you god is there to deliver you god is there always to make you release you and make you free we were the word of god says where there is a spirit of god there is liberty here we is hallelujah hallelujah in jesus name we pray gracious heavenly father once again we thank you Our heart rejoices as you have spoken to us, O Father. Lord, you have spoken to our heart. Lord, you touch each and every one of us. Thank you for the word that you have spoken through your servant. Yes, Lord, we admit all our mistakes, all our faults, all our imperfections. But you know, Lord, you are the holy God. You are the righteous God. You are the faithful God. You made us perfect, not by our own. it is by your son jesus christ through your son jesus christ help us to be useful vessel in your kingdom in jesus name we pray please take your seat